and welcome to a very special 100th episode of Com Majors. I'm Brian Costello. I'm Jim DeSanto. And I'm Katie. And I feel like you're only as old as you feel. So this is really just like 15. What? Well, it's... Oh, really we feel 15. Like, we don't feel yeah. 100. I, say, I mean, it's this isn't like your basement when I you did, were 15 drinking I, champagne with Molly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> My mother is listening. There were just wine coolers. There was only wine coolers, mom, and we were at least 17. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I considered dressing up like, a, you know how the kids, they have the kids dress up like they're 100 now on their 100th day of school. Mm-hmm. And you oh, see all these I? cute little pictures of five-year-olds with like suspenders. Yeah, and it's, okay. adorable. Yeah, yeah. it's adorable. I thought about doing the same thing and then I thought it wouldn't be as cute. <laughs> <laughs> I ordered the Alex Finch tuxedo <gasps> from Amazon. It Brian, didn't arrive on time. Don't, don't, so I can't, I can't. Don't wear it. tease me. Don't so. tease me. See, Peg knew about the wine coolers. See, everything was on the up and up. All right, we are toasting a hundred episodes. I've never opened. Oh, I lied. I've opened. You're supposed to have a a, a what? A cloth. Yeah. Oh, this is a computer. Room. Just a little. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Probably not a great idea. I do do wine things for part of our living. (laughs) So why don't you tell everybody what you're drinking this episode? So this is a shimmer bottle of Brut from One Hope Winery in Napa. I'm drinking bourbon. Uh, Jim is drinking champagne and bourbon, which we could make. We could craft into a new cocktail tonight. It's called the white trash. dude. That is much higher class, please. Uh, I the am white class. No, drinking a oat soda, the oat official soda. beer of the <laughs> oat the bowling soda. alley. I'm drinking an MGD Miller Genuine Draft, the official beer of the Big Lebowski. Oh, I thought about having a white white Russian, but I still have a horrible aversion to them after very bad situation with them in college. <laughs> um. Cheers. Matt Morgan didn't make it out of a Brita water. Cheers. Cheers. That's how we used to make them. Cheers. Oh. So is that what spilled in your room once? Yes. Oh, we a Brita water filter fill full of, of white Russians. White Russians no. all over the. Oh, and then, that just and made then just me left the room. That just made my belly do bad things. This yeah, is it, delicious. Things though. to the rug, too, yeah. by the way. Mm. Um, so we are celebrating our 100th episode and 100. going Back to our very first film ever, The Big Lebowski. Yes. Because it's a very different show. And, and, and we've done a hundred of 100. these since then. It'll uh, be interesting to, to, hold, to hold our opinion up, to do a side-by-side comparison and see if we say the same things. Well, we pro- you weren't even on the first one. On oh, the first that's right. One. When did I join? Uh, Permanently. Uh, well, you're still not ep- permanent. That's true. I mean, that's up I in the so, I just choose whether I want to be here. Somewhere in the 30s. Okay. Yeah, it's All up right. in the See, air. See, really. I knew I felt younger than you. Yeah. yeah. This, is, this is a newer. Much, I'm not, still not, fresh. Not much younger. Oh, very nice, but, Patrick Morgan. That rug really tied your dorm room together, dude. It did. It did. <laughs> and he, he, by the way, I wasn't. To be fair, I wasn't even drinking the White Russians. He was. He Patrick. spilled it, and then and the White Russians. Oh, it's such a poor choice. Drink. It was an awful choice. Um, so quick fact check here. A couple of things. First of all, a huge, 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 huge congratulations. Something even more exciting, slightly more exciting than our hundredth episode is that our great friend, uh, Keenan 
from Pop Adult yeah. is engaged. She Another engaged. reason for champagne. Cheers, like Keenan. beverages made in Napa. Keenan and Mandy. Congrats. So exciting. So exciting. We're, we're really excited for them. So congratulations. Could have done it before he was on our show. And we could have oh, could have done it really while he was on the show. Selfish, Keenan. Yeah, I know. A little selfish, not thinking about us, knowing <laughs> that we had a big anniversary episode coming up. Oh have, my. Um so this is our hundredth episode, as we've said now ten times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we did not get a sponsor for it. Mm. I thought maybe after my impassioned um defense of Comcast mm-hmm. that they might consider I really I really thought they would, Brian. I mean, I don't think I've ever heard anyone speak as kindly um, outside of a commercial for Comcast. Yeah. You. Yeah. I, I I'm tr- surprised I they didn't call. It did not work. And then I'm, I'm a little upset by that. Yep. Uh, a show that uh, almost didn't make it past its second episode, which a lot of people don't know. Our second episode, which was Jurassic Park. Uh, upon first recording, we thought the episode was so atrocious that we re-recorded. <laughs> was that really Jurassic Park? I thought that it was, was Indiana Ju- Jones for some no, reason. No, it was Jurassic Park. That's funny. Interesting. We oh, had yeah. done the Big Lebowski. We did Jurassic Park, and it was almost over before <laughs> it began. Yeah. Yep. And then we and watched. Then, There's something about Mary. And then we watched something about Mary. Mm. And then I think the real jumping the off point is when Katie arrived, and we discussed the Notebook. Oh well, that mm-hmm. was. And historic, then it's, historic it, it, coverage. it really got people gum. And then yeah. we really, really hit rock bottom. <laughs> we've hit rock bottom a few times. <laughs> Mazes and monsters from I Justin mean, to Kelly. We yeah. have really scraped the bottom it of the film barrel. A time. The cinematic barrel. We've it, seen it, it is, all. We, we, <laughs> we literally have seen it all from David Bowie's cod piece Ugh. to that thing, great that cinema. thing in um, the star. What's the. The last Starfighter. Last Star Grig. 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 Good Grig. job. Thank you. Look wow. at me. This is what happens when you watch 100 movies. Amazing. <laughs> um, I don't know if I can drink this. Yes, I mean, you can. I, I love. It's delicious. Mm. Mom, I'm going to have some brute for you for tomorrow. I can't drink well, this whole bottle know. alone. Um, well, I guess I got to drink it then. Because yes. it won't last a day. It yeah, will. So I have the little I have a champagne You're going to have to take one for the team and drink it. We can't drink um, the whole bottle tonight. We won't the... be able to function tomorrow. Well, they school's out or, for summer. What do you think's in there? It's the it's the sugar. It's the sugar that takes you out. No yeah. champagne. And champagne gives you the worst, mm. worst hangover. Perfume going in. Drink it. You can look it up. Oh, perfume just absolute going trash. In. Going Sewage out. going out. Trash. Oh. Cocktail yeah. line. Line from one of Brian's two, favorite. Two glasses. Two glasses of bubbles, when friends. I think it's Elizabeth. You gotta cap it. Getting sick on champagne on the beach. Yeah. Tom Cruise. Yeah. Says. Mm, you gotta cap it. You gotta watch those bubbly cocktails. Young Flanagan. Mm. We Mm-mm. gotta be. We should watch cocktail. On Young Flanagan, great like movie. Right. Um, so our last episode was the great guys from Pop Adult. We talked North by Northwest. Mm-hmm. Our final uh, Thirsty Thursday episode was uh, North by Northwest. Katie was busy, mm-hmm. unable to mm-hmm. join us. Uh, do you have a quick thought on North by Northwest? I do. Um, I will again reference my primary job, which is as a literary teacher. Um, there are a lot of books that people consider classics and I can recognize them as historically significant, but as times change, they lose their ability to engage the reader. And I see some of Hitchcock's movies in the same way. 
I think that North by Northwest is historically important, but do I think that the story is extra compelling and does it feel like a great movie in 2020? No, it does. It doesn't feel that way to me anymore. Really? Yeah. I and I, I like Vertigo. Hitchcock. Yeah. I, would... I do like North by Northwest better than Vertigo. Really? Okay. Yeah, I do. Uh, though I do think uh, Vertigo is more interesting maybe with Mm. the choices i think north by northwest is more watchable but i'll talk more about vertigo in relation to this movie the big lebowski today because i think there's some connections to it um it is now time for the rundown The dude abides most things, except folks pissing on his rug. Then he gets embroiled in a wild fake kidnapping involving nihilists, an empty briefcase, and an artist desperate for his sperm. He and his friends, PTSD-ridden Vietnam vet Howard and the simple and sweet Donnie, must change lanes from being unemployed recreational bowlers to being semi-involved citizens. Hmm. Did you call him Howard? Is that not his name? What's his name? Who's Howard? Isn't that John Goodman? called Walter Howard? Walter. <laughs> Damn it! That's not, that is. <laughs> I really thought I had them all right this time. <sighs> Sorry. Walter and Howard are similar names. Discuss. What the fuck, Howard? <laughs> What's that shit about Vietnam, Howard? Right? They're very similar. Two syllables. <sighs> names you don't hear often anymore. <laughs> and I think they were both the names of newscasters in the 1970s. Okay, I don't know what that <laughs> Walter Cronkite has anything to and do with Howard anything. Cosell. Done. I don't even know where to go <laughs> from here. <laughs> Howard the know. Duck. Yeah. I'm sorry to disappoint once again. (laughs) Wow. Okay. I I wrote it quickly as per my usual and did not consult the interwebs. These are the standards I hold myself to. All right. All right. Um, The Big Lebowski, a film which we have an endearing love for. Yeah. Two out of the three of us (laughs) who actually know who the characters are. Um, we have revisiting uh, decided to revisit this film because I thought it was a perfect film to revisit because we thought it'd be interesting to have Katie's unique take on it. And a mere moment of discussion, <laughs> we've already achieved something. He's forgettable. He's a forgettable character. Yes, <laughs> very forgettable character. Most Doesn't people, most all. people would say that he is the least uh, interesting character in this movie. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Howard. H- Howard. I remember Donnie. So check. Maybe there is a Howard in the movie. Okay, so what do we want to talk about? Where where do we even start here? I, I don't sorry. even know. Where I'm go. sorry that I already derailed our conversation. Well, Katie, uh, let's start, start with Sam Elliott. Yes. Yes. Let's I start with would, I can't believe the that best wasn't just choice. the whole rundown. I know. I I had to restrain myself from filling the whole rundown with Sam Elliott, but I did Sometimes not. Sometimes there's a man. Oh my gosh. 
So this movie is perfect. <laughs> Maybe the best choice that the Coen brothers made was to have Sam Elliott narrate it um, and have him on camera at the beginning and end of the film. Um, I think it creates just a beautiful framework. Mm -hmm. He's not on camera in the beginning. He is. He's not. Isn't he? Oh, in the middle? Well, he's got the he's voice on twice. and middle and end. He's on, yeah. he's on yeah, twice. And yeah. he, so end. he's voice in the beginning and then he's at the bar in the middle and, and then, then he's, he's at the, the bar at the end. end. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yes. I think that this movie is one of a kind in its approach, in its... I, I like I don't even know how you would c classify the genre. It's a comedy. They had it, but it's it, like <laughs> I saw it. I think it was uh, I forget where Wiki Wikipedia had it, like comedy slash crime. Yeah, which was yeah. pretty funny. But interesting. It's, but it's also got this like fairy tale western sort of a vibe to it because of Sam Elliott. Um, I just I think it's I think it's wonderful. I thank the two of you for bringing the Big Lebowski into my life mm. 20 years ago um, and encouraging me to watch it many times since. <laughs> yes. Uh, I watched this film, I think, a little differently this time than when we first did mm -hmm. the episode. I think when we first did it, it was much more technical. I think right. we were kind of talking about this. This time, I just kind of wanted it to wash over me again. Because I usually watch it, at, you know, once a year. Um, I purchased the 4K version. It was an excuse to mm -hmm. purchase the collector's edition of it. And I'll just say quickly, a great transition. And it really, you, yeah. I think, because I, I had never even upgraded to a Blu-ray. I still had the same DVD oh, that really? we purchased junior year in college. <laughs> the, the difference, and you had brought that up recently about E.T., how you yeah. watched E.T. And then, but it was... I added to the experience because you realized just how amazing the costumes and the light yeah, and all that. Type the of the stuff. one thing like, I did notice is that, um, and it's jumping way ahead a little bit, but um, not way ahead, but when the dude goes to the big Lebowski's house to talk about bunny being kidnapped and he's in seclusion in the West wing, that scene was much brighter. Yes. From in my 4k experience. I actually, yeah, I don't think... And not in a good I, way. Like, not in oh, a way... it wasn't? That, you thought it was too bright? I thought it was too bright. I always loved that the lighting in that scene was so dark, except for um, except for him looking at the fireplace. And we don't okay. need to talk about the 4K-ness. No, that was, but, that was interesting, though. Yeah. I, just, I thought some of the stuff that I jumped out at me. But I think one of the other interesting things is having done this, so many episodes of this now, you start... Yeah, we've seen a lot of movies. This is like the 90th movie we've seen on top of other movies we watch yeah. just on our own. And to see like some of the movies that clearly influenced it and how they, in some ways, I think, did it in a, a better way that we can talk about. Katie's yeah. right. It is like a perfect film in the sense that you can't reinvent it. You know, the character, you know, the plot itself is a lot of the big sleep from Raymond Chandler, mm -hmm. which I actually finally watched in you know because it was on. And I said, you know what? This is on um, Turner Classic Movies. I want to finally watch it because I had known we had talked about it the first time we did this of how much of an influence Raymond Chandler's work was. And, and there's definitely elements 
of that. You know, the the former general and the um, the big sleep is in a wheelchair like the, you know, the big the whole name, the big Lebowski, the big sleep. And there's yeah. elements of it. But then there's also elements of like vertigo to me, you know, and there's elements of, you know, we referenced this on the last episode when we did North by Northwest, like when the dude uh, in Jackie Treehorn's office runs his over the pad. The idea that, you <laughs> yeah. know, like in Vertigo, they, you know, Jimmy Stewart is purposely picked to be the detective here because they want him to screw up. And that's the same. And it's all right. these things that are from other movies. Well, the, but they change it so much enough that that almost doesn't matter because it's just like little plot devices, but you can overlook it because everything else is so great. That's on the screen. Yeah. And not even just the story, but even uh, when Jackie Treehorn is doing his little pad trick, it's the only time I think in the movie they do that fast zoom in like in North by Northwest when you see the bad guys for the first time or Brody on the beach in Jaws. It does that zoom. Now, it doesn't do like the cutaway zoom where it's like three quick succession like Jaws exactly, but it does that quick zoom into his hand to see what he's doing. So like tell the to tell the uh, viewer, take notice of this. And that's what the, you know, the dude is looking at. And then it just, they turn it into a joke. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm always amazed when I watch this and I, I don't watch as many other Coen brothers movies as much as this. And it probably been too long since I've seen them, but I feel like every time someone is on screen, even if they're a non-speaking character, that they are a fully fleshed out character with a history. And there is no one ever, I feel like, in this movie that is just there. Like, there's never an extra. There, there, are, there are, like, no extras in their movie. All of these people are characters and have, even if they don't say anything, Larry Sellers does not say a word, and we understand so much about him. The bowlers in the beginning and in, in certain scenes are such individual characters and what they're wearing and just their, their body language. And uh, it, it's, I don't, I don't know. It, it's pretty remarkable when I actually think about it. Cause I, I literally cannot think of an extra in this movie. No, no, I, I totally agree with, agree with you. I think all the characters are fleshed out. Um, and I think there is a beauty to how many illusions and nods it makes to other stories and films um and in that it feels completely original right so i don't think that you could look at it and say oh this is really honoring this one filmmaker or this one style of storytelling it's so many things when you think about, you know, the the more artistic shots, you know, the dude on drugs going through. I, I was asking Jim the um, the scene with him coming down the staircase, the checkered staircase yeah. and then the dancers. I said, I can think of one very specific movie that I watched in my life where there is a scene just like that. But I'm sure that that was just a style, you know, that that you would see maybe not even just in film of, you know, a style of entertainment in terms of yeah. the women with the big head headdresses and the organized oh, yeah. 
right? Like well, that was that was built. Yeah, they based that specifically on that time. You see it a little bit more too in uh, Hail Caesar. Well, yeah, they're. With, I was going to say they are. Clooney and Josh the, Brolin. They are clearly and influenced and, and sort of obsessed with classic, right? Golden era Hollywood. Right. Yeah, sort of like Tarantino is, you know, in a certain way, but like a different side of it, you know, like yeah. where Tarantino sort of focused on like the grimy, like. In, almost like the the western indie stuff of that time period they are focused on like the big budget like you know shows of it like you see it a little bit in um like history of the world like mel brooks would bring a little bit of that later mm-hmm. into you know like something like um when they do the spanish inquisition it's all yes it's all this dancing and and yep. you know synchronized swimming and things like that and and Hail Caesar has a lot of that, but this but that's movie, a nod to like the 30s and 40s. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, to me, it's almost you You bring up Tarantino. It's almost like Tarantino is Rick Dalton. Right. Not the world Rick Dalton wanted to get into. Like the Coen brothers are the world that Rick Dalton was hoping to get into in some respect. Right. Whereas Tarantino's obsession was the world that Rick Dalton actually lived in which is also sort of referenced here with brandit which is the sounds like a tv which i don't know is that that apparently is a real tv show yeah i think it was i don't i i don't know if the sellers was the actual he's not he's not but but that was a real show (laughs) and it sounds like that kind of show like it's sort of like it sounded like a kung fu slash or you know cowboy show where someone was walking the earth doing different deeds Well, yeah, I love it. I think I, you know, I to go in Roger Deakins, who's I think my favorite cinematographer, he was talking on his podcast about working with the Coens. And in particular, I think part of the reason nobody ever feels like an extra is because how they film. You know, Mm -hmm. he works with, you know, he was talking on a recent episode about the difference between working with like Denny Villeneuve on Blade Runner Denis 2040. Villeneuve. You said his and name beautifully, Brian. I know, thank you. Very I well done. I want to kiss you when you say it like that. <laughs> um, you make your mouth sound so French. Yeah. <laughs> but, but versus the Coens, and the Coens storyboard literally every frame. Yeah. And the composition of every shot, and Roger Deakins would say, well, we would go in and they shoot like 99% of those storyboards look exactly like that. They don't come in and feel around the room or the wherever when they get there. So every character, every layer of every character and every shot is thought out before. Mm-hmm. And I think there is a distinct difference. Now, I don't think that works for every movie. I, I think you have to have a level of detail to be able to pull that off. And yeah, honestly, you have to be interesting or it can come out very uninteresting. Right. To yeah. not to not be adjustable. And I think it works better in some films than the other. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I I can't think of a lot of Coen Brothers movies I dislike. But, you know, to me, there this is of a higher standard. Like Hail yeah. Caesar, I, I enjoyed if you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix. I thought it was good, but it's not this. Mm-hmm. It, it was enjoyable, but it's not this. Um, sometimes they can go a little cr- crazier, and that this, I mean, this is a crazy movie, but like Hudsucker Proxy and some yeah. of that, you know. Oh, brother, we're always out good, was- but I think they were there was something about maybe it was this type of movie allowed them to work in this world and how they did it, but everything hits there's no actor i can think of that doesn't hit their mark in this i would compare them kind of to you know quentin tarantino wes anderson in that they have 
such a quirky approach to storytelling. And I think what you'll find in all of those filmmakers is that they operate within this continuum of where like the quirkiness sometimes overrides the characters and story. Yeah. And so they've got to find that sweet spot, right? Where their approach amplifies, enhances the story and you're just with them for the ride um, and not distracted by those things. I'm so sorry about the squeak toy that's happening behind us. That is a scout. That's our... That's our quirky storytelling. Um, and I think The Big Lebowski is just the example of that, where everything is, it just, everything works perfectly. It's yeah. all at the perfect level. For as much as people will probably say that Fargo is their best movie, um, and sort of like will give them the most attention, I think this is the quintessential Coen Brothers movie. Um. I think it represents everything about them. Whereas I think Fargo, while it has like quirkiness and interesting stuff going on, it to me it sits a little too close to something that Tarantino would do. Um whereas this is like something totally off the wall. Well, and we've talked about, you know, what is the the tell of success for a film <laughs> and we've often clashed a little bit on you know film as art versus film as pop culture um mm -hmm. and i feel like the fargo big lebowski comparison might come down to that a little bit i don't think people are going back and re-watching fargo just for the fun of it i think fargo won an oscar fargo was acknowledged as a wonderful film I don't think people are downloading Fargo, getting DVDs of it in 4K, making yeah. sure they have it in the home library. I think a lot of people own The Big Lebowski. Well, then you get, I mean, they've had bigger, obviously, financial and critical success. They also had No Country for Old Men. Oh, yeah. Which mm -hmm. is, I mean, brilliant. Mm -hmm. But again, I don't. I don't think people are going back and rewatching it. I mean, maybe you do for the perform, but it's not like it's not a constantly right, right. revisit it for the, the totality of the work. I think in a lot of um, people go back to it to look at specific roles in that movie. Not that it's not a great movie. Right. This movie, there's just something about it that stands out. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's easily consumable. I, I think. I don't know that it's easily consumable. Oh, we were talking about yeah, yeah. To yeah. be honest, Go like I, I, I think it's I think it's tough in a way that um that force but the difference is I think it's easy. I think what what I like about this movie is that it's it it kind of subverts your ability to be distracted. So is it that you have to you have to buy into the perspective. You have to understand the approach. And if you're not paying attention, it's easy to miss that. It's easy to yeah, miss the. Yes. But it's also the fact it's not just that it's that and the fact that you are constantly rewarded for listening mm -hmm. in ways other than just understanding what's going on in the film. Yeah, It is hilarious to listen. to I this movie. think as somebody who is frequently a distracted watcher of things on on a screen that every time i have watched the big lebowski i have understood it more 
and found it funnier and better. Yeah. And that proves to me <laughs> that the other times I was just not really paying attention. <laughs> the, there are a few things. The writing, the writing of this movie, the dialogue writing in particular is absolutely incredible. Um, the pacing of that dialogue and how the actors delivered it was it, like, even just watching the first scene and we have a clip, I think, and I'm going to play it. Um, this is sort of like the first scene where you sort of get to know um, the dude and his, his bowling team, which is Walter, not Howard um, and Donnie and sort of how they communicate with each other. It's surreal because no one really talks like this. It's almost as if they are Sorkin characters, but on a very uneducated level, which Sorkin would never write because that's so beneath him. <laughs> um, yeah, it's brilliant. So l let's just listen to a little bit of this. <clears throat> this was a... Uh... Yeah, man, it really tied the room together. So this was a valued... Uh, yeah. Tied the room together, dude? My rug. Were you listening to the dude's story, Donnie? Walter. Were you listening to the dude's story? I was bowling. So you have no frame of reference here, Donnie. You're like a child who wanders into Walter, the middle of a movie and wants what, to know... Walter, what's the point, man? There's no reason. Here's my point, dude. There's no fucking reason why these... Yeah, Walter, what's your point? Huh? Walter, what is the point? Look, we all know who is at fault here. What the fuck are you talking about? Huh? No, what the fuck are you? I'm not. We're talking about unchecked aggression here. What the dude. fuck is he talking my about? My rug. Forget Look, it, Donnie. You're Walter, out of your element. Walter, the Chinaman who peed on my rug. I can't go give him a bill. <laughs> so what the fuck are you talking about? What the fuck are you talking about? The Chinaman is not the issue here, dude. I'm talking about drawing a line in the sand, dude. Across this line, you do not. Also, dude, Chinaman is not the preferred nomenclature. There it is. Yeah, I, I had to get all the way to that line because um, it's something that comes back in this movie over and over again, which is characters doing surprising, doing or saying surprising things um, that while you're writing it, you would see like might seem out of if if you were writing a one dimensional script, this would seem out of character. But if you truly understand who Walter is, that that line makes so much sense. And the way that Jeff uh, Goodman or John Goodman delivers it is just like it's perfect. Also, their established relationship, the the way that the dude responds to Walter is consistent and informs the history of their relationship. Right. You know, he, for the most part, is like nonplussed by Walter. Like He ignores most of what Walter says. Right. And it's only when he gets to a certain point that he gets like a little agitated. <laughs> and later on, he, he will actually listen when Walter has a good point. So he says, that's fucking interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. I thank you for that. Um, I would like to talk about the dude's hair and oh my how God. He's this is revolutionary. I think that men's hair has been impacted more by the dude than maybe any other male uh, star since Tom Cruise. I mean, he is rocking what in this scene is basically a half man bun. Yeah. Right? Like he, he pulls it back. I mean, I, I really think like every man who I've known who has used some sort of an ornament, uh, hair, head 
something go, pulling back luscious locks uh, really owes it to the dude. I don't think it was seen on screen before this 1998. Well, he always brings some of his own wardrobe to every character. I yeah. love that. As well. I love that. Yeah, apparently this was all his clothing in this movie. That's amazing. He really makes this movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think there's very well, I shouldn't say there are very few movies, but there I think there are a lot of movies that are dependent on the lead character mm-hmm. that if the lead character is only OK, you can still get by. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, in action movies, we get that sometime and in you know, things like that. This is a film to me that falls completely apart if he can't just be amazing. Yeah. I mean, he can't even be if he's just good in this role, this movie doesn't work in the least. Even if you see Jeff Bridges, the actor in this, it doesn't work. I don't think it works. Yeah. To believe him as that character then allows you to believe everybody else and you don't see them as the actors. And there's yes. some big name people in here. You just see that you are immersed completely in this movie. I have huge issues now, which I hate. Uh, I've been leaving my phone in other rooms and this is a movie I had planned to watch only half of, as I've been saying, just time-wise, I, I, I couldn't. I started out with the intention of watching half one night, half another, watched the entire thing and was so absorbed in it, I lost track of time. I just sat completely <laughs> through it and I've seen it 50, I, I, I can't even tell you how many times I've yeah. probably seen it. 50 might be an under... Value. I might have seen it 50 <laughs> times just junior year of college. I think what you're saying about him taking on that character so fully is really important because there is something magical when you forget who the actor is to begin with. I, I think I classify Jeff Bridges' other movies someplace different, and then I see the dude in this movie. Yeah, right. Right. Like he's not, he is no longer Jeff Bridges to me in this movie. He is entirely a different person right who i can't even reconcile even though like there's nothing happening to his face he doesn't have a prosthetic nose or anything like it's him but he is so fully this other persona that he seems completely separate from any of his other but let's talk about that with because i feel the same way for john goodman and uh steve buscemi Buscemi. like yeah they're just amazing characters you're right yeah like steve buscemi looks and acts in this movie unlike anything else he's been in yep he's this like really kind of um, like low key guy. And it's just, he embodies that role so well. And John Goodman, I mean, I, I had to go and look up who the best supporting actor was because to just look at all the stuff that year. It's, it's terrible. Yeah. This movie is better than anything that was nominated for best picture that year. Um, In in retrospect, can we read them here? Here they are. All right. Shakespeare in Love won the Oscar mm-hmm. in an upset yeah. mm-hmm. over Saving Private Ryan, mm-hmm. which we've talked about recently on the show. Mm-hmm. The Thin Red Line, which is a Terrence Malick film, which is a great movie, I think better than Saving Private Ryan. Uh, Elizabeth. Which it, was, is, it was a good movie. That was a which good is movie. OK. Good movie. good movie. And Life is Beautiful. Oh, well, that was. Whew. I think Jim's right. If you look at the best supporting actors, James Coburn, who is a great actor, I believe was given this award because he had been in Hollywood forever. 
won for Best Supporting Actor. John Goodman doesn't even get a nomination. That's Jeff crazy. Bridges doesn't get a nomination. That is crazy. Yeah. And they don't and, get well, any nomination I, for Best just, Screenplay. Wait, wait, read the other Best Supporting because I think... All right, uh, it's Robert Duvall in a civil action, which, which I don't even okay know what movie. that is. I don't okay, even know what John that is. Travolta, uh, Ed Harris in the Truman Show was very good. No, he was good, good enough to get a nomination. He didn't win, but right. he's not even close to John Goodman in no, this movie. Agreed. How about Jeffrey Rush in Shakespeare in Love or Billy Bob Thornton? I don't even character. remember Jeffrey Rush in Shakespeare. In I can Love. tell you exactly who he was, but it's a very, it's a pretty minor character. Yeah. Uh, so, and that's interesting because I would say. We Did he have like just, a speech impediment or something? He ran the the theater. Yeah, yeah. He, he didn't know that. You're thinking of the other guy who who does the oh um, right right younger. The he's course. the younger guy. Right, right, right. It's, it's um, very disappointing. I mean, we've talked about how he he's like, Mr. Pennyman. Mr. Anyway, Pennyman. Yeah. Funny. Well, and um, I think Fargo hurt this movie. It came out. It, it, it came out did. a couple yeah. years before, or if not the year before, and and I think this has a little bit of that Jackie Brown syndrome, except. You know, comparing Fargo and this versus Pulp Fiction and Jackie Brown, it's not even close that I think Fargo and this make a better one-two punch than Pulp Fiction and Jackie Brown. But I also think that the Academy notoriously undervalues comedic films. That's true. Yep, that's also true. And I think that's one of the reasons that Shakespeare in Love was such an unexpected upset that year, because Shakespeare in Love, at its base is more of a comedy i mean it's a drama but like it's it is comedic yeah. um, i remember liking anybody, shakespeare in love i remember liking it and i actually and it is remember an not excellent feeling, film <laughs> not feeling bad that it won i was kind of like yeah. oh that was i, I don't remember which finds it is it, but he's excellent in it yeah yep i haven't seen it since Gwyneth. i saw it then yeah. I have to say, I just saw it on stage the uh, a few months ago, and I was really excited because I loved that movie, and it was right around the time that I... So I was going to college at that point. I became a literature major and fell in love with Shakespeare and all of the things. So Shakespeare in Love holds a special place in my heart. Um, and then I saw it performed on stage, and it, uh, it made me remember how good it is. It really... It is a good movie. I can see the struggle of holding this film up against things like life is beautiful right, right saving right, right, pi private ryan th because th there is i think dramas in hollywood for whatever reason hold more weight yeah well i also think that this film is maybe not easily accessible the first time yeah you well view it. it's funny because the dude has that line where he's talking to I think he's talking to Maud and he's like, you know, I got lots of threads. This is not an open and shut case. There's a lot of things going on. Um, that is true about this movie. There is are so many themes and so many lines that you can sort of pay attention to. And the one that I loved, and I, I think I might have brought this up the last time, is the dude's car. The, the stuff that happens to his car in this movie is absolutely hilarious and finally ends with the Nihilist lighting it on fire. Oh my God, the Nihilist. <laughs> yeah. Can we take a moment for John Tortoro? Yes. Who may be one of my favorite minor, mi minor characters yeah. ever in a film. The uh, Jesus and Scotty. And Scotty. his the introduction of his character and the way they integrate music in that scene makes me think of baby driver <laughs> it's just a 
it's a beautiful moment. That scene is beautifully orchestrated from the way the camera moves to how the music informs his <laughs> movement. Uh, it's just incredible. Yeah. Incredible. I do like it. It's not as apparent as Baby Driver that the character knows that the music is playing. True. Which is something that I really like about Baby Driver. Yes. But uh, I agree. I love the way that they shoot the bowling alley in this movie. Even down to like, see, I, I feel like there are the way that they use the camera in the bowling alley. There's certain scenes that another filmmaker who wasn't as confident in what they were trying to portray would like clean some things up. Whereas like in this, you see the grease on the ball. You see like how old and beaten up this bowling alley is. You see the disinfectant spray like on the guy's hand as he's spraying the shoes. You just see it building up on his thumb every time he sprays a shoe. And I think like, yeah, you don't. I don't know whether I'm just paying more attention to this movie, but the scenes feel so lived in. I'm sorry, the sets, and you know, they're probably not sets. They're actual. They're probably actual places mostly, that they yeah, use. Mostly, yeah, they're all one um, And so, like that, like the dude's bathroom oh. is somehow like disgusting, but comforting at the same time. It's sort of like. <laughs> You know that he is completely comfortable in there because of how disgusting it is. Like if it was if it was clean and like pristine, it would just seem like that's not his space, right? Like I I don't know. It, I mean, one of the worst toilet scenes there is outside of Train Spotting when he gets his head the, uh, the worst. Oh no no, I'm not um, sure. Let me take another look. I'm sure it's down there. What does he say? Yeah, I think it's in there somewhere. I think it's in there somewhere. Oh, yeah. Let me look again. Um. Another toilet millionaire. scene? Yeah. What is um, it? Slumdog Millionaire. Worst toilet scene ever. Oh, I can't remember it. When the when he's a little kid and the uh, the movie star comes to his village and so he's he's in the porta potty and they won't they lock him in there. Oh. Not the porta potty, but he's in the in the toilet. Yeah. And so he jumps down into the poop oh! and then <laughs> covered in poop runs up to the yeah. Do you remember that? I don't remember that. I feel like I've blocked it from my oh mind. Oh my god, it's which so is good. Surprising because train spotting is similar and yeah. is cemented in my brain. Yeah. They're both awful. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Jacob from Lost is dunking him in the toilet. Yes. Oh, yes, he yes, is. Yes, he is. Yes, Very he is. True. While Woo pisses what? on the rug. I feel we were doing this somewhat close to when we did Caddyshack. And this is a film that people see that's very requotable. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of scenes uh, in this viewing, I, I feel like certain viewings, other ones stand out. If, if we each had to pick a sequence here, what like Katie, what did, for you do you find you're drawn to the most? Like if somebody said, this is the scene of this movie, you have to yeah. watch. What is it? I <laughs> I really think there's a magic to the bowling alley scenes where, where the three of them are just engaged in dialogue with each other. The, and it is, it's amazing how it is a common they're thread. Kill that poor woman. Yeah. Yeah. They're like the, I, I mean, it, like it, you just keep like coming back to that it's space. It's like a stage play. Isn't yeah. it? Like you could see that on stage. But I do think that the dialogue between the three of them in that space is some of the best. And then, the and film. then it comes back at the end. Once or not the end, but once they think they blew, they they botched the uh, the handoff of the money, 
they're at the bowling alley. No one's talking. And the phone is just ringing. The, mm-hmm. the, the mobile phone is just ringing and ringing and ringing. I love that scene. And Walter is trying to explain why it's not a big deal. That they, that they didn't hand off the she money. Everything. Yeah. All the, I think all the best scenes happen in the bowling alley. Interesting. Walter pulling the gun. The that, Jesus. So the Walter pulling the gun scene is so interesting in the way that they escalate tension in that with, mm-hmm. with obviously Walter's anger. But once they hit Walter's anger, like you, as as a writer, I got to imagine, or a director, you're like, where do we go from here? Let's have a fucking Pomeranian, Pomeranian. jumping up at him, like excited that he has the gun, like, and his ex wife's Pomeranian. Yeah, it's like they turn it to ten, and then they figure out how to get to eleven in a way that does not seem manufactured. Yeah, it's brilliant. Sober Shabbos. Yeah, Sober Shabbos. Sober Shabbos. So like. Yeah, I, Brian, you go because I'm I'm still kind of thinking well, about this. I always, yeah, you know, different ones each time, but f- this one in particular, the Larry Sellers. Oh yeah, how did you sequence? Just gets me to to no end. I mean, every one there's different ones. I think the last time we were talking about sequences, I talked about the dude in uh, the Big Lebowski when he gets the job, and you know we use a bit of that. But it's when the dude had been entrusted. He has the briefcase. They think the money was in his stolen car, and they arrived to find that it was a ninth grader is that is stolen it. And and again, the nod here. I just feel like when you open this scene to John Goodman holding <laughs> the homework in the plastic bag and the dude sitting next to him. I mean, it's it's, uh, it's like it's every d- and Russell Crowe in LA. Yes, right. But the funniest thing is like. And the mom is like, uh, Larry, the policeman want to talk to you. And he's like, oh, we didn't want to give the impression we're police. Meanwhile, he's wearing a suit, <laughs> which you could say he wore to the dance thing earlier, the the, the theatrical dance moment, because yeah. he shows up there in the suit. But he has the homework in a plastic mm-hmm. bag as if it's evidence. Yeah. <laughs> There's not one part of him that did not want to give the impression. Of course. Police. So let me play a little bit of this. Oh, man, we're so missing good. the glasses. Oh, they're, yeah, I don't know what happened to them. I feel like I just saw them recently. All right. Oh, wait a second. Hold on, hold on. I muted it. We'll edit this part out later in post. Is this your homework, Larry? Is this your homework, Larry? Look, man. Dude, it... please. Is this your homework, Larry? Just ask him about the car, man. Is this yours, Larry? Is this your homework, Larry? Is that your car out front? Is this your homework, Larry? We know it's his fucking homework. Where's the fucking money, you little brat? <laughs> now, meanwhile, this kid does not say a word or change his facial expression. The entire scene. And he's, for real, a ninth grader. Like, this is not an older guy playing young. How he was able to hold it together for this scene is miraculous. Well, I also I think at times what I love about this scene, what stood out to me is in particular, I loved, loved, loved John. I always loved John Goodman. But in in this version of it is you start to realize. While the dude is the focus, he might be one of the most interesting characters ever written. Yes. When he has these things like he's so excited when he goes there because the guy's uh, dad 
wrote this TV show that he loved and he's in an iron lung, which is like just the quirky Coen brothers thing. You get this feeling like he probably wanted to be a cop. He wanted to be all of these things. Well, he still wanted to be married to his wife because <laughs> now he's watching their Pomeranian daughter, like all of these things. He's like this. And the dude's still friends with him. And you're like, how is someone friends with this guy? But there was clearly this bond that you're willing to maintain a friendship with this person irregardless of everything they say and they do and it's just such a like such yeah. an awesome interesting character yeah and he it's so funny he uh i think i noticed for the first i mean how many times have i watched this and i'm sure i've noticed it before but when the dude picks him up to take him on the um which is my favorite scene always the, the, when they uh, go ringer. to exchange the money. Because again, this is a scene where the Coen brothers take the tension and just keep cranking it and cranking it and cranking it. Meanwhile, you have like these two buffoons trying to do something that is very intricate here. Like, you know, and kind of high stakes. And, and when you consider that Fargo and Pulp Fiction are kind of predecessors to this movie and sort of the the hybrid like almost indie style comedy slash crime drama thing it's really funny and then you find out later that the guys on the other side are buffoons as well at this point in the film i think we're still not sure who if there are kidnappers right mm -hmm. right you yeah, haven't seen bunny again right. right and so we don't know who they are um, but I do want to play a little bit of that because uh, they drew. Yeah. So he picks them up. Uh, what I was saying is that when the dude picks him up, it's outside of soap check securities and the van is. So he's clearly like quasi interested in law enforcement and security, um, which, you know, whatever. <laughs> this is sort of the, the guy that we're talking about this week. What the? Have they called yet? What the hell is this? My dirty undies, dude. Laundry. The whites. Walter, the whites. I'm sure there's a reason you brought your dirty undies, man. That's right, dude. The weight. The ringer cannot look empty. Walter, what the fuck are you thinking, man? You're right, dude. I got to thinking. I got to thinking. Why should we settle for a measly fucking we? 20 grand? What the fuck we? You said you just wanted to come along. My point, dude, is why should we settle for 20 grand when we can keep the entire million of my... So... Yeah, from there it goes on to Walter explaining that the very simple thing they're going to do is is um, give them the underwear instead of the money and that they should not plan for anything else because simplicity is the best way to do this. Once a plan gets too complicated, it all goes to hell. Yeah. Right in the middle of him saying that, the phone rings and the guys say, we're not doing a handoff. You throw the car out of the you throw the money out of the car, and Walter goes, "That's not going to work." <laughs> um, and then you realize he also has an Uzi, which and who is he? So his plan is when they drive over the bridge, he's going to throw the the ringer out of the car, double back, and beat the information out of one of the guys. What ends up happening is that they he throws the ringer out of the car. Opens the car door, grabs the Uzi, jumps out of the car, drops the Uzi. The Uzi goes off shooting all around, shoots out the tires of the dude's car, which hits a telephone pole. 
and the guys escape on motorcycles with the ringer. That's nobody else could pull that off that sequence off and it's brilliant they keep shooting uh, right uh, there's a lot of one and the music is is run impressive. through the jungle yeah. um credence yeah and it, it ramps up right and and like again there's so many parts of this movie where the music really does inform how you should be feeling about the situation oh my god yeah and the dude's tapes oh the, throughout yeah are like a part of the story. Another thing that I noticed for the first time and I brought it up to Katie is when he's laying on his floor listening to the bowling championships. Well, uh, oh yeah, bowling championships. Right. It says side A, bowling championship, whatever. And then side B, it just says Bob. Yeah. And Maud comes in with her goons and they knock him out and he has this this dream Yeah. all Bob the while Dylan. playing Bob Dylan's The Man and Me. Yeah. So I said to Katie, I'm like, did they change? And when he wakes up, he, the, that tape is on. I'm like, did they, they change? Flip the they flipped the side they for did. it. They flipped the side. Or were there tapes she, that, or yeah, did they she do that was for also really into music, so maybe she was like, "We're you're not yeah. gonna wake up listening to bowling uh, balls." Julianne Moore greatness, yes, uh, phenomenal. Philip Seymour Hoffman as Brand, amazing. Oh, amazing. God, I miss him. Um, the Big Lebowski. The Big Lebowski. Oh yeah, let's listen great. to. I do want to listen to a little bit of them meeting each other because I feel like, um. He's the only before before we meet Maud. This sort of sets up the idea that that the dude and and Walter and Donnie are sort of uh, less than right. Like they are clear. The Coen brothers are clearly looking at these characters as um, not part of normal society, and this this sort of scene sort of hammers that home. So in this scene, um, the dude is going to the big Lebowski to ask him for to be compensated for a rug that um, was pissed on miturated on miturated on by <laughs> woo by woo um, because the big Lebowski's wife owes money to Jackie Treehorn man okay sir you're a Lebowski I'm a Lebowski that's terrific but I am very busy as I imagine you are what can I do for you sir uh, well, sir, it's uh, this rug I have. It really tied the room together. Uh, you told Brant on the phone. He told me. Where do I fit in? Well, uh, they were they were looking for you. These two guys. Uh, you know. I'll they... say it again. You told Brant on the phone. He told me. I know what happened. Yes, yes. Oh, so you know that they were trying to piss on your rug? Did I <laughs> urinate on your rug? You mean, did you personally come and pee on my rug? Hello. Do you speak English, sir? Parla usted inglés? I'll ask you again. Did I urinate on your rug? No, like I said, woo, or peed on my rug. I just want to understand this, sir. Every time a rug is miturated upon in this very city, I have to compensate the person. Come on, man. I'm not trying to scam anybody here. Yeah, so like, I, um, there's so many things about this scene that I love. One is that when the Coen brothers put this movie out, they were clearly making a statement about this type of man, the big Lebowski as well, in a way that they show him to be a complete and utter fraud in the way that he treats people and, and like he, he really has zero power. Um, and just think about that. In like but he has the semblance, the of, semblance it. of it in 19, whatever, 98. Mm-hmm. 
Um, this character today in a film, you would immediately say they're full of shit and they're, mm-hmm. they're ridiculous and no one would even respect them. Um, because whatever, but in 1998, they were still, that was still a character at this moment in the film where you're like, that's like a powerful dude. Sure. Yeah. It's interesting. I, it, and that, that struck me different this time. Mm. Yeah, I everybody that, should see this movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that character in particular aged in a really I, I think a lot of them have aged in really challenging good ways. They're mm-hmm. they're very full characters. I, I think Walter um as a character, I think is even more intriguing to me now as an example of someone um of false bravado that is really just not sure who he really wants Mm -hmm. to be. And he's constantly grasping at different ideas. Whereas I think somebody, I can't remember who it was. I was, I was watching something about the big Lebowski and they said, the thing that has endeared everybody to the big Lebowski is that at its essence, everybody wants to be the dude. Not the life he lived, but he lived in the sense that he was living the exact type of life he wanted to live. Sure. And was almost ignorant or could care less about the other perceptions that people had about that. And that there's something that even subconsciously maybe continuously draws people to him as a character because we all wish we not again the choices he made and the life he wants to live, but that we could live our life and do all the things that we wanted to do unencumbered by all of these. Sure. There is a a comfort in his own skin, a confidence in himself that I think everybody aspires to. And Sam Elliott tells us that right in the beginning is that there's sometimes there's a guy, there's a man who, or his he's not a hero because because what's a hero another piece that i <laughs> that i just thought about last night watching this is like you know we talk about this with ryan johnson in the last jedi like what is a hero and that i think that's what last jedi was really trying to get to the coen brothers right out say we're not fucking interesting talk in talking about heroes because what the fuck do we even care like what is a hero anyway if you if you could show me a real hero then we'll fucking tell a story about it because we don't think it really exists is basically what they're saying. And throughout this movie, the hero is just a guy who, who is not full of shit, right? Like he, he, he represents who he is, what he wants to be without any pretense or worry that he's going to be judged for it. You know, and as Sam Elliott says, I think, Turned out pretty well for the dude. <laughs> it did. Uh, feel free. You can watch the amazing quotes on YouTube uh, nonstop. It's it's truly the best. All right. It is time for game of the week. All right. Here we go. Game of the week. Uh, in honor of our 100th episode, we're playing keep Two cut Two. Okay. No, we're picking two films from Comager's 100 episodes that absolutely should be kept and watched by anybody. Mm -hmm. And we're cutting two films that should be uh, basically destroyed. Um, Now, nuke it from space. 
Mm-hmm. Let's stay away from Big Lebowski because we've just talked about it. Mm-hmm. Though, if you really feel that way, you could pick it mm-hmm. because I think maybe at least Jim and I would probably pick it. Um, and for worst films, first of all, we've discussed this before. Mazes and Monsters is not a film <laughs> made for TV <laughs> is made for TV. And from Justin, the Kelly is no longer after this episode. We may never be able to never talk about it again. Low hanging fruit. We're just yeah, not. low hanging nope. fruit. Um, all right. Would, would you guys uh, do, do we want to do our why don't we do our keeps? I would first? like to go first. Oh, yeah, okay, I have backup. Go. So every, everyone else can all go right. first. do our keeps mm. keeps. First. So these no are cuts. movies that people should watch. Absolutely. Of all our use amazing catalog that yes, you can find on all we do. of your we do so, have uh, all your podcasts. We've got um, a, we have it. There's there a is a paywall of exactly zero dollars to yep. access yep. our content. All of these movies. All free content. All right. So a movie that every human should watch is Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. That was number one on my list as well. Everybody Great needs choice. to watch that movie. If you have never seen that movie, Katie is telling you right now, you need to go watch that movie. If you are a person that maybe thought in the past week and a half, why, why, is are, this pe- why are people looting why is this to happening? get their point across? We talked about just that, I believe. Yeah. Go watch Do the Right Thing. Go watch Do the Right Thing. Do it. Yep. yep. All right. One other, Katie. Uh, other? And you, you, know, you know I am on a mission for every person to watch The Hours. <laughs> I knew that so, was coming. Yep. It's, I, 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 if you haven't seen that movie, again... You don't you haven't seen one of the best pieces of art that there is. So Katie, go watch that is movie. there a movie that is technically not a great movie that we've watched that you think people should watch? Oh, yeah. Like, like technically like not a great one of oh. your like, like, do you know, like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. this? You can't say that this is Just a critically like a, acclaimed, but yes, you know, so many Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Yes. Roadhouse. We knew we were, where, where yeah, Brian uh, was of thinking. Of course. Of course. Uh, that that would be my backup. So Sam like, Elliott fun, and anything really for fun. Yeah. Just watch Roadhouse. Right. Or a star is we haven't done it, but a star is born. Anything well, with Sam Elliott, Katie's that. in on. Let's add that to the list. Can we add yes. that to the list, Brian? We can Thank put you. that can, can put that on, on the list. We can, we okay, can put great. that on the list at some point. <laughs> uh, Jim, do you want to go or do you want me to go? Go ahead, you go. All right. So uh, first, my choice is going to be Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Which I th- which I think is I looked at all of them, all the films we've done, and I it there's great movies, but I do think that it is a movie that you could show that would represent a lot of other movies. Right. You know, it's like the best we've talked about that before. It's yeah, is it like that type of movie? It's like if you were if aliens came down tomorrow and said, "What do you love about movies?" You that. would show them Raiders of the Lost Ark yeah, and be like, "This just, encapsulates what I love about cinema in one I, film." I I think the Everything about it is perfect. The only thing about it that is not aged well at all is the Miriam Indiana Jones, like before we even see the movie story. Mm-hmm. It's a little flippant about like I was a young girl. Ah, you know what you were. You had like throwaway mm-hmm. line that wouldn't have been an issue at all. I, I and think I think that's, that's sort of character development, though. I, I think it's okay. I do, but I think it's a little creepy by modern it's creepy. standards. It's I understand creepy. why it is, but I also think it's something that is i mean literally if they could edit it out and you could just say hey they had a relationship because i don't feel like their age is that wildly different uh and the other one that i think is 2001 space odyssey Mm -hmm. from a thought you might pick that yeah movie perspective Uh, it may not be everyone's most enjoyable but i would think that if you were just a film lover 
that you would be, especially the influence it has on people. I, I feel think. like I would like to re-see it on, if, if there's an opportunity to see it on a big screen, I would like mm-hmm. to do that. And I do. I think it'd be. You need to be. It needs to be more separate from like my house and everything that's could possibly happen in my house. Just be like gone for three hours and watch. I think you need to be in the largest images. She does it like once a year. Yeah, I'll work it out. I will go see that on the theater in a second. Uh, Jim, how about you? What are your two? Okay, so I had do do the right thing, but I have backups for two. um, I was torn. I wanted to pick something that was more horror slash whatever, because you guys don't typically do that. Um, and I wanted to pick things that maybe folks hadn't seen, but I, that, that failed too. So my alien is on my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, see alien. It Here. is borderline a perfect movie from mm-hmm. beginning to end. Um, and the other one is less seen, which is ex machina, which we did very early on. Mm. I love that movie. There's so many, things that happen in that movie that make me question, you know, that make the characters question what's going on. And, and sort of, I was on that path with them the first mm-hmm. time I watched it. And I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, one that was not as maybe known as popular that you would want to watch Jim. Oh, I said ex machina. No, oh, you mean like a just like a fun love, a guilty like pleasure that you had. A, oh, like have fun, fun watch this movie. Ugh, I hate those kinds of movies. Mm. I know that's why I'm asking. Is there um, anything you watched that you just kind of got a little kick out of that was is not amazing, high quality film? Uh, I do like Roadhouse a lot, but I think uh, what's it called? Um, I don't want to take Brian's. No, go. Um, I always love Can't Hardly Wait. Yeah. As far as like a film that's not. It's a great movie. A great film. I I would go with uh, If Looks Could Kill. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And then I knew that was going to be yours and I I paused. No, but that's, Um, I mean, Can't Hardly Wait's another great one. I think Can't Hardly Wait's a really good film, though. I think uh, uh, If Looks Could Kill is just something completely different. Well, how about cut? What movies have we watched that you were just like, we were watching it painful. Mm. Can't believe we have to watch it. By the way, they make some of the best episodes. They do. They but sure they were, they do. were just like really different. Like it, it didn't make it feel like fun. It made it feel like, God, I got to watch this. Surprise, surprise. Katie's going to pick John Wick yeah. and the notebook. Get rid okay. of Get rid of them. You don't right. need them in your life. John I, I Wick, I think, would be less challenged than the Notebook. People, they're, they're diehards. Yeah. Well, no, I, I don't think well, so. I think, think harder. Notebook, think harder I think. about life. I think that is a brilliant pairing oh, I for do. the reasons that I think they are drawn specifically on gender lines. There, that the John John Wick is basically the Notebook for men. Well, that's fair. In a certain way, um, and I don't even say men. Let's say boys. Let's um, <laughs> let's like raise the that John Wick in the notebook applied the to level bo- for both. Of them. Yeah, like so. Watch about time. If you love the Notebook, watch, watch about, about time. time. If you love John Wick, watch Roadhouse. Watch Roadhouse. <laughs> or what's the movie that we just watched that we love? The the action film. I can't 
think of the Matrix? No. Rogue, Rogue Nation? Rogue Nation? No, no, uh, no. Ghost Protocol. Ghost Protocol. Impossible Ghost Ghost Protocol. Protocol. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic action movie. Yeah. Watch the Mission Impossible. Not enough heads getting exploded. There's, yeah, they want there's every thinking, person just shot thinking, yeah. think about things a little bit, just a little. But how do we get erections if people aren't shot in the head? Oh, for the love. <laughs> Can I tell you? Oh, my God. We were driving around the neighborhood today. We dropped off our taxes at the accountant. Yeah. And in their neighborhood, Trump signs, literally, the sign right now says, God, guns, and country. John Wick. That's. Yeah. God, God guns, number one, God. God. Number two, most important things in our lives, guns. Number three, country. Yeah, no, I don't think that's I'm sorry. specifically the John Wick folks, but I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't mean to group video. you together. Yeah. I was just talking yeah. about guns. My children were like, John what Wick, are those signs about? John Wick like, does very good in video game culture. I don't culture. know what those signs are about. Um, do you want to go, Brian, or you want me to go? You can go, Jim. You can go. Okay, so I'm getting rid of... Katie already got rid of two that were on my list. Mm-hmm. Number one on my list, I think in retrospect, I hate pretty much as more than any is something about Mary. Oh, that was on my list too. Good I job. just, good job. I don't, we don't I literally it. don't we find don't it funny. It. We don't need I don't it anymore. think it's hilarious. In Our any way. humor yep. has elevated. Don't need it. And second, I'm going with Pretty Woman. Yep. Good <laughs> Which job. Which we probably job. knew we are, that was just yeah. not Cut high them. on our Cut list of shows. Two takes. No don't need them. Pretty Woman yeah. angered a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I think they're both extremely fair assessments of those films. Yep. I stand by both. We stand by it. Yeah. Com majors. We do sign off on the opinions of In our fact, people. I I would I would challenge anybody who is fans of those films. Do we it. could do them again. I would bring we a have a debate of that film on this show. And I would even rewatch either of invite those. Jamie Rogers on to this. But show. I will say I will say so you have to watch it prior to coming on and you yes, have to you be have ready to, to assess it as a piece of art would we show this to the young people i don't care about that but, but I, I think that's important <laughs> no, i think it is I important because I, just, I think there are movies we to... watch as nostalgic I know. pieces you can care about that piece i do i do care about I that i just want people i want somebody to watch it and tell me what they like about it. your mother and, your mother is again upset she's upset yes. She what is upset do? that she does. Um, she does not like when you speak poorly about Pretty Woman. Oh, is that what is, is that? That's what it's what it about. Was, I don't know she if that just, was she, about. The, you know, uh, no, it uh, is. He, here are my two films. Uh, first of all, I never, ever, ever want to see these movies again. Okay. Uh, the first choice, Scream. Oh, oh that was so on my list too. Brian. So bad. Well done. Bitch. Well done. Yeah. Garbage. They're well talking done. about making a new one. Oh, please. I, I, I would be like, okay because again. There With are parts all the of people from the first one. Oh, no, no. They're going to bring all the characters back. No, no, Boo. I just, no, I can't. Boo. I can't. Hiss. I was. Boo. We already have Jordan Peele subverting the horror genre in yeah. interesting and, ways. Uh, we and, don't and, need I, this. Yeah. No, thank you. Nope. And of course, number two is Labyrinth. That was on yep. my list. Yeah. Well, well, thank well God. Done, everybody. Yes. Well, well done, um, everyone. Labyrinth. Yep. We don't. Another sequel. You hit that them is all. Being done. I well, just, I, I, I that's no, I would that, that feels different than Scream to me. Yeah, it does. I feel like I there could see, be an interesting movie there. Fair. I would see the Labyrinth sequel before I would watch a Scream sequel. A hundred percent with the same characters or no. with the same cast. A hundred percent. I don't even if it's a reboot. I don't. I don't I, need that. I don't need Ghostface nope. Killer Labyrinth. If you're gonna have the Jim Henson puppets, 
and I'm in. not have a sexual predator yep. showing his um, penis. I'm in. Uh, as around small children. Yep. I am in. Absolutely. The I like the dream yeah. world. I like the Muppety people. So into it. I like it. Love it. Um, all right. And make sure you go back and watch all our episodes, which are free of charge. There's 99 of them. What if Alexander Skarsgård was the Goblin King? I would watch that. <laughs> I would love. What if it was Lady Gaga? You know Gaga? he's in my spank bank. Don't. What if Lady Gaga Don't. was the Goblin <laughs> King? I would Lady Gaga. Yeah, that I'll would be amazing. Put her in my spank Wouldn't bank. That'd be amazing. Yes. All right. Time for five questions. You want answers? You want answers? I want the truth. What makes a man, Mr. Lebowski? What the fuck is the internet? Why? Why? Well, we're about 100 episodes in. We have not played five questions in all of the episodes, but uh, we have half of the movies um, that our sound bed has. We've done Mission Impossible and we have done Big Lebowski. Hmm. Uh, we will be doing a few good men in a couple of weeks. Oh, joy. And then we just have to wait on Jay and Silent Bob. Um, I'm going to spoiler alert. This is the best set of five questions I've ever written. And I wrote them in 30 seconds while we were filming. Listening. Right. Okay. That's recording. Great. Here we go. Just like you wrote Howard as part of the rundown. S- listen, it makes for good material. Would you rather, gentlemen... Get your head dunked in a toilet or jump out of a moving car? Oh, that's tough. The toilet. How fast is the car moving? Yeah. <laughs> the toilet is not scary for, I think, the reasons that I don't like having my head dunked underwater. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I man. think the if toilet. A, I think the toilet. I, I don't know if, how clean is the toilet. It's not clean. It's a Lebowski yeah, toilet. Then I, well, then I think I'd probably get thrown a dude out toilet. Of the car. Yeah, yeah. You could get some serious bacterial like. I, that's true. You're right. You're right. You brain infection. <laughs> yeah, like like yeah, because you'd be basically using the toilet as a as a neti pot, and that's bad news. I hate it. Yeah, I, I hate the idea. Dude, with of your it. migraines. Yeah. Oh no! Please no! Please, I don't even want to look at the toilet. Yeah, most I think times. I'm I pretend padded. that it's not there when I use it. I, I, I think know. I'm padded well enough to roll out of a car pretty. Yeah. And, no, and I think duck, we can handle that. Duck and roll. Yeah, right. we've played duck volleyball. You know how to fall. You're fine. Number two. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Nihilism. For me or for others? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, in as general, an ethos, the existence as an ethos, of... Say what you will about the tenets of national socialism, but at least it's an ethos. I really dislike people who claim to be nihilists. Yeah, because it's unattainable. Because by believing in nihilism, they are in fact not practicing what they believe which is a whole other thing. I think they tend to be uh, fraudulent people who think saying they're nihilists make them interesting, thereby not making them interesting at all because they are completely inauthentic. We just lost two more listeners. That's fine. (laughs) Our nihilist population. Our nihilist population. I care about nothing. just been clapped at. Yeah, thumbs down on nihilism. (laughs) I, I, I think it's important... I think when we grew up, it was, I don't want to get too serious, but I think when we grew up, it was 
Um, sometimes people who cared about things were made fun of, and especially if you cared about something deeply. Uh, and I want to end that shit. I no, want, yeah, I like that. Like I want to be able to care about care. Dungeons and Dragons and other shit. And <laughs> I love that that's what you referenced. If I could give one example of something to care deeply about Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons. I don't know, I just... <laughs> hey, you know, there's a new Dungeons and Dragons documentary out. You should check it out. Is it supposed to be good? It's supposed to be good. Question three. If you could have your life story narrated by any actor or actress... Who would you choose? Oh, man. That's tough. These are the hard questions. I guess it depends on the mood. Like, do you want, yeah, do you want it I, to be I like... I think, I think you just go with whose voice are you enamored with? I think that's the way to go. You got somebody telling your story. Whose voice? There's so this? many people, but then there's weirdness. So, like, <laughs> like if I wanted it, my life to be badass all the time, it would be Samuel Jackson, right? Okay, oh, yeah. yeah. But like, if I wanted to be like, if I wanted it to be like more sexy, it could be like Scarlett Johansson, who has oh, like she does have a good ScarJo's got good yeah, voice. Right. She gives good voice. Yeah, and so, yeah. oh man, that's tough. I don't know. I think you go with Samuel L. I think if I wanted to just be the voice in my head talking to me, it's Steve Carell. There you go. <laughs> it's like just that. like a guy. Yeah. It's just like the guy, and he's fucking funny when he needs to be. He's neurotic and just the guy. I thought, well, I said actor or actress. I yeah, thought you I, were going to bring up Bruce. Bruce as a story. Uh, well, see, like Bruce would have me like just like staring off into the distance yeah. way too much. Pondering. Just I ponder. would uh joking aside with Tom Cruise, I would pick Ron Howard so I could live <laughs> oh, that's great. Arrested development. <laughs> I didn't think of that. Ryan this went is. to the bathroom yeah. today. Did you see Samuel L on some good news reenacting yes. the the little girls yelling so compliments? Yes. Oh He's so great. my god, I, he is so great. I like that it. hat. <laughs> is your dress yeah. question four what is your favorite milk based drink Jim's face <laughs> like alcohol yeah. no no just in general oh. milk drink Brian likes milk I do like milk a glass from the milk sack at the University of Scranton I'm not sure the milk sack exists anymore. I think they still I think serve they do that still put that milk in a sack they yeah. they're still putting milk in boxes in yeah. envelopes so I think oh, are you going Louis CK is yeah that well a, I mean it's still a good joke he is, can be a shithead it's it still a good joke it's still a good joke why do we give kids milk in envelopes milk in an envelope <laughs> mm -hmm. um I guess a milkshake would yeah. be my yeah, yeah. I drink of black choice. and white. Else, like what black else do, is there that you would really? Like, I would not drink a glass of milk. <laughs> you wouldn't just drink a glass. I got. I had one the other night with a with a slice of cake. It was I delicious. Milk as a drink. Mm. So you just I hate okay. it. This is because you were a formula baby. I think it, <laughs> this is why you don't like milk. Oh, no, is, I don't think. That's a whole other I don't even want to get into that. But there's I don't so think many things. Just move right on to the last question. Here. That's, I'm uncomfortable. Question right now. five: Deep thoughts. Is bowling a sport or an activity? Like a recreation. Like a recreation. Bowling's a sport. Yeah, I think it is. I think it takes a lot of talent. There's skill that you have to practice it, and it's it is it's a competition. Yeah. It's 
And just like, and, and, you know, people can say what they want. I, I think people would be surprised to know that I fall more on the, there are things that I would consider sports that most people don't like mm. darts, mm -hmm. things, billiards. I, I think a lot of that stuff can be played at, at multiple levels, just like something like softball or mm -hmm. baseball where you can have beer league and you can have, um, recreational versions of those sports. So follow up question. What is yeah. the Olympic sport that you don't really think is a sport? I think it's the one where they make the horses dance. Dressage. Dressage. I told him. I think uh, bowling's as much of a sport as golf is. Yeah. 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 It takes the same. I the think same. It's, yeah. I, I Olympics. Olympics got some weird. They've stuff got some weird ones going yeah. on. How about shooting? We think shooting. Wait is till the shit show when, when like all the Clint Eastwood wannabes see that they put like a video game in in the Olympics in the near future. Oh, that's gonna happen. That's yeah, gonna I happen. don't think video games are a sport. Mm -hmm. Maybe yeah. between activity. the nihilist and an the video game people, we might not have anybody. Uh, what about darts? Darts, I think move are, your arm. I, I I think that is a sport. You need physics. There's a there's a skill to that. Accuracy. I don't, I'm not saying there's not a skill to video games, but I. I have issues um, that they are playing like NBA video games on ESPN and commenting. Oh, that wouldn't be the sport. That's that kind of fun, pick. though. No, the, the games that they would pick are stuff that like once you get to like the age of like 20, you can't play anymore because your reflexes are not fast yeah, enough. You gotta to have play. those fast fingers. Yeah. Yeah. Can I tell you there's something to that? I we guess. did a field day, virtual field day with the mm. children the other day. Mm. And surprise, surprise, the kids were better than me in most mm -hmm. of the well, they certainly activities. Were faster than you, I'm sure. I'm so slow. You run so fast. We still I'm haven't had our sprint. So slow. Though, I Brian, I did. You would beat her by. Remember that. Don't I, get. We, I we did beat them in penguin walking, where you had to hold a ball between your legs and then waddle. And I waddle. even made it longer. But I was I was good at that because of the like the I have strong leg muscles. Uh -huh. I could do that. Here's what I whipped them at beer pong <laughs> still got it still got the, the it. the highest level of athletic competition yeah. we can still all agree so much got it Boom. um we will try to have a hundred more episodes join us in two and a half years when we do com majors episode 200 when we visit revisit the amazing Emil Ardolino film. <laughs> chances are <laughs> for episode two hundred. There's only nine hundred. I... There's only ninety nine more episodes. I'm amazed. You have to wait Friends. until we get back. I'm amazed. The only other thing I've committed to, like this, is our marriage and teaching and our children and so a lot yoga. Of <laughs> <laughs> um, by the way, how awesome! For the for those that can view this. I pull these glasses off so much better with without hair. You do. Yeah, you do. You really you do. Yeah. They're like slightly attractive. Whoa. Just a little there bit. There you go. I, I love it. Uh, make sure you like, share, subscribe. <laughs> we got to get out of here right away. Review. Uh, we'll be back next week with Little Women. Bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs>